Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We want to be a place where you can own your faith and take next steps in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe your next step is to seek out a community and join a movement group. Maybe it's supporting movement financially for the first time or using your gifts on a volunteer team. Whatever God is calling you to do, our prayer is that you will step out in faith and let Him lead you. For more information about your next step, please visit movementcolumbus.com. this building. So last week was, uh, was move-in Sunday. It was an exciting week. We got to take pictures together and laugh together and cry together and sing together and hug each other. Some of those are lies, but you'll never know. Uh, we, we got to do those things. Last week was a, was a really exciting week. And uh, all these things are, are kind of building uh, toward February 4th. That's when we're having our, our grand opening of, of this building. And so we want you to, to share that on social media. We want you to invite your friends, your neighbors, your family members, uh, anyone uh, that, that likes you enough to come to church with you. We want you to invite them and, uh, and bring them with you. Uh, we're actually going to celebrate baptisms on that day. And so if that's uh, something that maybe is part of your story, uh, you've been wanting to be baptized, wanting to be uh, obedient, and just publicly tell your story and say, I identify with Jesus. Uh, you can celebrate that with us on that day. So feel free to uh, sign up. We'll answer all your questions and, and walk you through that process and make sure that you're not, not too freaked out, but we want to uh, have a, a big party that day and, and do that. So, and if you're one of those people that's too scared to get your phone out now because you think everyone might judge you, uh, you can check that out later on our website too. All right. So uh, anyway, I mentioned it's our, uh, our second week. Uh, in this building last week was was awesome, uh, but I wanted to be honest uh, with what happened uh, this week. I, uh, I I got up Monday morning and I thought, man, I'm really tired. And I was like, all right, just gotta gotta get to work. And I came here to the church and. Uh, there was salt all over the floors everywhere that you people had drug in. Uh, I don't know what's wrong with you, but you did that, right? There was, uh, there was trash in the trash cans. Uh, there, was, uh, there was a smell coming from the Movement Kids Wing that I don't want to comment on, but I, I think I know what it is. Uh, and and I, I had this, uh, this realization uh, as I was taking some stuff out to the dumpster and I was in the Arctic tundra out there. I was like, man, this dumpster is like seven miles away and this is, this is awful. Uh, I had this, uh, this awakening, this realization uh, that sometimes Monday is not as cool as, as Sunday, right? Uh, some of you know that. You know that on Monday mornings you wake up and you're like, really wish I could quit my job today or wish I could just not go to work. Uh, this last week, you got Martin Luther King Day. That was awesome. You got to, you got to hang out and uh, maybe, maybe not go to school, go to work, but uh, it's not always like that. Tomorrow, you have to go to work, all right? I'm sorry to tell you that, but you, you need to do that. And, uh, and sometimes, Monday isn't as great as Sunday. And it, uh, it got me thinking uh, about this series we're in. We're in this series, as Jeremy mentioned, uh, called Jesus Over Everything. Uh, we've been talking just about who Jesus is. We wanted to start the year off right, uh, move into this new building right. And, and, and so we're, we're talking about who Jesus is because nothing is more uh, central to, to who we are. In fact, last week we looked at that passage that Jeremy read and we learned that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the creator. Jesus is the sustainer. Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the reconciler through his blood. Jesus compels us to continue in the faith. Ultimately, Jesus is first in everything. And that is incredible. That is exciting. And sometimes we're really feeling that. Probably last Sunday you were feeling that. Maybe today you were feeling that. And, and guess what? Tomorrow when you wake up and you're supposed to live this, Jesus is first in everything, 
there won't be a band there. I've tried to invite them to your house, um, but they're not going to be there to, to hype us up. And so I think the, the question I want us to, to answer this morning is what does it look like uh, to live our lives like Jesus is first in everything, not just when we're around other believers, not just when there's a, a lot of excitement? What does it look like to live that Jesus is first in everything when we're feeling a little anxious? when we're maybe feeling a little depressed, when we're feeling a little meh, that's M-E-H, in case you're wondering how to spell that. Uh, what, what does it look like to, to live Jesus first in everything when we're just not feeling it that day? And so uh, to answer that question, I want us to turn to Hebrews chapter 12 this morning. Hebrews chapter 12, verses one through four. It's, uh, it's on page 733. If you're looking for a Bible, if you don't have a Bible, there's probably one on the chair in front of you, page 733. We want to talk about uh, this concept of running the race, right? The Bible uses imagery often that, that walking with Jesus, living for Jesus, living a life of faith can be compared to a race. But what does it look like to, to live the race, to run the race when you don't really feel like running? What does it look like to run on the good days? What does it look like to run on the bad days? What does it look like to run on the days that are in between? So this is what Hebrews 12, 1 through 4 says, page 733, says this, therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you've not yet given your lives and your struggle against sin. Well, this passage starts with the word therefore, and there's one thing that they hammer into your mind when you go to school to be a pastor, that if a, if a passage of scripture has a therefore, you have to figure out what the therefore is there for, all right? So uh, this therefore in Hebrews chapter 12 is pointing backwards to Hebrews 11. We don't have time to read that today, but trust me when I say that Hebrews 11 is kind of the, the hall of faith or the hall of fame of uh, some of the heroes of the Old Testament, people who were able to to live their faith and demonstrate their faith in God, people like Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Rahab and, and other people. This passage, uh, Hebrews 11, basically is saying, listen, we're supposed to live our faith out and this passage is saying it's possible to live your faith out. It's not just this thing that's been made up. There are people who did it. There are people who did it well. And we can look at them and see them as heroes of the faith. We can look at them and be encouraged by them. We can look at them and realize that as we run this race, we're running this race and we're standing on their shoulders and we're celebrating what they've done before us and their faithful example. And so Hebrews 12 is pointing backwards to uh, Hebrews 11, and then it says this, since we are surrounded by such a huge cloud of witnesses to the life of faith. Now you might be wondering, a uh, huge cloud of witnesses, again, it's pointing back to those people who are the heroes of the faith, the Hall of Fame, it's saying, listen, on the, the times when you're not really feeling this journey, you're not really feeling like living for God, remember what these people did. Look at their example, look at their story, let those things encourage you, and so we can, we can know this, that we should let the example of faithful followers of Jesus encourage you. 
right? You can, you can see the example of these people. You can read the example of these people. They're not just stories that you learned in Sunday school when you were five years old. They're real people, real stories, real things that happen, and they should encourage you. Not just that, but these verses are also pointing to the cloud of witnesses that surround us today. And so I think a, a question to ask would be, who are the people who spiritually encourage you right now in your life? Who are the people that you look at their example and you think, I wanna, I wanna be like that. I wanna love Jesus like that. I wanna, I wanna run like that. Maybe it's someone that you knew earlier in your life. Maybe it's a friend that you have now. Can I tell you a couple of those examples for, for me? There's a, a woman uh, that, that grew up, uh, the church I grew up in, uh, her name was uh, Helen Hoover. And uh, I always think of her and describe her as the grandma of that church, uh, both metaphorically and literally, because my church was tiny and most of them were related. I was like the only one that wasn't a cousin. So she really was the grandma of like 70% of my church. But she was this sweet old woman. She led the, the choir every week and she just had the joy of the Lord. I, there was never a time that I, I saw her when she didn't say, hey, Mark, how are you? Or, hey, Mark, I'm praying for you. And there was a couple times uh, she found out I was going on ministry trips or she found out that I was going to college or, or seminary and she would come up and say, hey, let me shake your hand. And I'm like, okay. And then she would do this weird thing where she'd pass me a $100 bill and I'd be like, Helen Hoover, right? I'd <laughs> want to give her a, a bigger hug then or something. But, but she just wanted to encourage me, right? She said, I, I, see, I see what you're doing and I want to encourage you. She's one of the people that when I think of the cloud of witnesses that I've had in my life, that, that I think of her example, I think of her, her kids and her grandkids and, and her legacy of faith, and, and she's encouraged me. There's another guy I think of, I've mentioned before, uh, his name was Ed Jackson, and if you've been in my office, I have his boat oars in my office leaning up against the wall as a reminder, but he was a, a church planter in our network, in our family of churches. He planted churches in Florida, he planted churches in Ohio, he planted churches in Alaska, and compared to this guy, I am a joke, and every church planter you know is a joke, I'll tell you why. This guy didn't have a salary when he went to plant a church in Alaska. So he just had to go get a job on one of those like deadliest catch boats and he would just work for two months and earn his salary and then he would pastor the other 10 months of the year. I told you he's legit, right? Just, just cooler than me, right? And so he would, he would tell me these stories. When I was a youth pastor, he was like the 85-year-old missions pastor, and he would just casually walk in my office and tell me about the time that someone hit a moose and his family ate the moose for like two months because they didn't have any food, and that's how God provided food that month, and I would leave work and go to Kroger and buy a bread bowl and feel like a total sellout, right? This, this guy's example of faith and trusting God and walking with God was, was one that encouraged me. And this passage is saying, listen, there are people in the Old Testament that should encourage you. And there are people that you've seen and known in your life that should encourage you. And there are people in this church that you probably know right now that encourage you, right? My friend Jordan goes to Movement Church and he's been battling leukemia for a couple of years. And I look at his faithfulness and I look at the way he's leading his family and I'm encouraged by his faith. So take a moment, think about your life. Think about the people you know. Think about the people that, that you, you may know in these four walls right now or the people that helped raise you, people that are from your home church, people that you knew in your childhood or even your favorite story from the Old Testament. And take a moment and be encouraged by that. And these verses say, since we're surrounded by such a huge cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. 
because we're encouraged to live a life of faith, because we're encouraged to run this race, because we're encouraged to live for Jesus and let him change us and let our lives look more and more like him, we're told to strip off every weight that slows us down. Because in this imagery of a race, you would never start out a race by saying, let me put on this weighted vest and let me put on these rubber galoshes. Do people still call them galoshes? I think so, right? You would, you would never say, let me, let me carry these 10-pound weights as I run this race. Because you can't run a race if things are distracting you, if things are slowing you down, if things are making it difficult to run. They go on to say, don't just get rid of the weight, but eliminate the things that trip you up. You would never start a race by saying, hey, I think I'm going to untie my shoes. Yeah, that'll help. And so as we... As we live this life, as we run this race for, for Jesus, it's not a, a race exactly like we think of it. We're not in competition with the other people around you. It's a race of, of one person. We're told to run with Jesus and run for Jesus and the calling he's placed on your life because of your circumstances and situation, because of your gifts. He's calling you to run a race and he's calling you to run that race well. And, and so as you run that race and you look at your life, are there things that you could say, you know what, that's slowing me down. You know what, that, that thing is actually tripping me up. Sometimes we find ourselves in relationships that aren't really the best for us to run with Jesus. Maybe it's someone we're dating, maybe it's someone we're hanging out with, someone we're spending time with. Sometimes we find ourselves in places and, and circumstances where we think like, that doesn't spiritually encourage me. This passage is saying, if you want to live a life of faith, you've got to get rid of those things. So how do we do that? Well, we run with obedience. What does it mean to run with obedience? It means that sometimes we have to get rid of the things that we would associate with disobedience. We have to kind of do a, a, a cargo dump. Sometimes you would look at your life and you would say, you know what? This thing that I've been a part of or, or, or this area of my life, this is sin. I'm living in disobedience and I, and I need to get rid of that. Sometimes we need to identify and confess sin. It's painful. It's not always fun. It's not always easy. But there are things that we could say that shouldn't be in my life and I need to call it what it is. It's sin. It's a distraction. I need to eliminate that from my life. We need to jettison sin is a, a word that I want to teach you today. Jettison means this. It's an intentional act of throwing overboard parts of a shipment or dropping out some parts of a vessel in order to save the rest of the shipment or the whole vessel from complete damage. We've all seen movies and known stories where sometimes a, a plane wants to take off and they're like, the plane's too heavy and so they have to throw something out of the plane. There are stories in scripture where ships were being thrown about in the water and they said, we've got to get something off this ship or we're all going to die. Sometimes they're throwing cargo. Sometimes they're throwing things that are being shipped. Sometimes they would even throw people off the ship, right? Because things just needed to be lighter. If we look at our lives and we say, man, I want to run this life of faith. I want to run this race that Jesus has called me to, but I can't because this thing, this stuff, this, it, it's slowing me down. We're told to jettison those things, to eliminate them from our lives, to, to dump them out of our lives, to get rid of them. And this imagery of a race makes a lot of sense when we think about that. I don't want to take us on a, a rabbit trail today, but I, I think if you talk to your friends that run, they will tell you that sometimes when they're running, they have to visit a, a little plastic office called the porta pot, right? 
That's a, a version of doing a jettison of some cargo, right? Right, there are moments when you're, you're running and you're thinking like, I can't keep going if, I'm, if I got this going. I gotta, I gotta get rid of that, right? And, and so you always see some people that are running a marathon that stop around mile 18 and they just need to spend some time in the office there, right? And then they can keep going and keep running, right? Well, the metaphor stands. There are things in our lives that we're like, I don't need that. I don't want that. That, that is waste it needs to go. If we're going to run this race, we need to run with obedience. If we're gonna run with obedience, we need to identify and confess sin. We need to jettison sin. This passage goes on to tell us that we're not just running this race. We're not just running this race of faith for fun. We're not just doing this to be religious. We're doing this because this is what God has called us to. We're told to run this race with endurance. Here's what endurance is. Endurance is the ability to exert yourself and remain active for a long period of time, as well as the ability to resist, withstand, recover from, and have immunity to trauma, wounds, or fatigue. When you give your life to Jesus and you begin walking with him and living on mission for him, you are entrusting your future. You're entrusting your present. And anyone that's run this race or walked with Jesus for a while can tell you that sometimes there's injury and there's casualty and there's trauma. If we were to go around the room today and say, have you ever been hurt by someone that called themselves a Christian? I'm assuming that half the room could say, oh yeah, I've got 20 examples of that. I used to go to this church or I used to be on staff at this church or I used to know these people or actually my family is so religious and I don't even want to be around them. We've all been hurt. We've all had trauma. We've all felt attacked. We've all felt compromised. And these verses are basically saying like, yep, that's going to happen. Not to dismiss it, but these verses are saying, yeah, if you're, if you're trying to live a life of faith and you're trying to walk with Jesus for a couple of years, for a couple of decades, for the rest of your life, Something's going to happen and you're going to say, I didn't, I didn't like that. That wasn't, that wasn't good. See, when you're running to know Jesus and you're running to glorify Jesus, Satan doesn't like that. And so Satan attacks us. Satan uses other people to attack us and discourage us and drag us down and take us through times of depression and make us feel abandoned and make us anxious. This passage is saying, listen, yeah, the race is going to be difficult. This, this race, this calling that you have on your life to walk with Jesus and live on mission for him, it's, it's going to test you. It's going to discourage you. It's going to feel like too much at times. So you can't just show up and say, all right, I'm in the race today. This, this passage is saying, if you're going to run this race, you have to develop endurance. You have to develop this ability to go through trauma and to, to be tested and to be attacked and to withstand those things and recover from those things. So how do you run with endurance? Well, you keep your eyes on Jesus. You keep your eyes on Jesus. It says he's the initiator of our faith. Another translation says he's the author of our faith. You're not just keeping your eyes on him because you get some Jesus points. You're keeping your eyes on him because he's the one you're following. He's the one whose character you want to develop. And so he's your example. He's the perfecter of our faith. There are going to be moments that he's going to chisel away corners and pieces of you because he wants to transform you more into his likeness. 
And so as you keep your eyes on him, you're gonna say, I need to change my ego. I need to change the way I approach that relationship. I need to change the way I view that group of people. I need to be more generous. I need to be more patient. I need to be like him. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Not just that, if you want to run the race with endurance, you have to look at the lifestyle of Jesus. We see so many things in the example of Jesus. We can develop endurance by spending time with him and spending time talking to him, but we can also look at his example for rest. We can look at his example for recovery. We can look at his example for Sabbath. We can look at his example for being alone in times of prayer. We can look at his example for pacing himself. Some of us think we just show up and say, I'm running a race. I guess I'll just start running and yeah, that's, I, I think that's good enough. And yet we look at the life of Jesus and there were moments that he would say, I need to be alone with my father and I need to be alone and talk to my father and I need to spend some downtime, not around people. I need to spend some time recharging. And then there were moments that he was around people and he was running the race as we would think he was. We can look at the lifestyle of Jesus and look at the example of Jesus to know how to run this race. Not just that, but we can look at the mindset of Jesus. Verse two, the second part of it there says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. I don't know about you, but I'm probably not ready to, to run toward my own death and to run toward a cross. So if anyone here thought I was a savior, I'm gonna be a terrible one, I promise you that, right? And yet that's what Jesus did. We're told that he was looking toward joy because of the joy awaiting him. He knew that he'd be seated in this place of honor with God, and so how, how did he have this, this mindset that's a little different? He was looking toward joy and he was disregarding shame. He endured the cross and disregarded its shame. It doesn't mean that he wasn't attacked. It doesn't mean that, that this race and this life in some way didn't catch up with him but he knew that something greater was waiting for him. And so he was looking forward, looking toward joy and disregarding shame. When we're able to do that, this passage says, you won't become weary and you won't want to give up. When we look toward joy and disregard shame, we'll have this extra gear that kicks in. We'll know that there are bad things happening. We'll know that we're being attacked, but we'll have this extra gear. And just as a little, a little a treat that's pretty going on top here, it says, you haven't yet suffered to the point of death. Just a good reminder, right? Because sometimes we think, oh, woe is me. My life is terrible. And I'm, I'm not trying to say that your life is not terrible. I'm not trying to say that it wasn't negative 40 outside this week and that life isn't tough. And maybe someone in here is going through a health scare. Maybe you lost your job this week. Those things are, are true. And yet we're being reminded the suffering that Jesus went through for us was a, a little worse to the point of death, to the point of giving his life. And none of us have had to do that with the weight of sin on our shoulders. So this passage is saying, listen, you wanna run this race that God has set before you? You wanna run on the good days? You wanna run on the bad days? You wanna run on your depressed days? You wanna run on the discouraging days and the boring days? It's telling us this, it's our big idea. Run the race with obedience and endurance. Run the race that God has set before you, the calling that God has put on your heart, this life of faith. Run this race with obedience and endurance. Some of us think like, really? It's just, just that easy, just obedience and endurance. What about if this happens? What about if, here's what we're told. I read a, a quote this week that was pretty convicting. 
We don't worry about the future. In fact, uh, Ian Simkins said this. He said, God's job is outcomes. Our job is obedience. God's job is results. Our job is response. Our theology is only as good as the obedience it produces. You and I don't get paid to worry about the future. We get paid to respond to the goodness of Jesus and the example of Jesus and the faith and the race that he's calling us to. That's our job. You know who doesn't like that? I'll give you a hint, it's me. Because I like to be in control. And I like to know what's going to happen. And I like to look to the future and theorize what could happen and break it down and come up with excuses of why I can't be obedient. But I'm called to be obedient. I'm called to respond to the example of Jesus and I'm called to run the race that's been set before me. My oldest son is a a runner and uh, my kids have played a bunch of different sports, basketball and baseball and different things. But I would say running is the one that makes me feel the most guilty uh, because that's just not my thing, right? So you show up at this race and you watch these people that are like running to the point that they want to puke and you're just like, hey, run faster, right? That's, That's what it feels like to be a cross country dad. It's like the... And yet every week I show up and I'm like, run faster. You know, I can't, you can't help but say it. And yet it feels awful. And uh, there's this, this, this concept at the end of a race, right? If you've ever been in a race where it's like, you should have saved up a little something. And so you're supposed to, you're supposed to run a little bit faster at the end, right? There's a phrase they say, they, it's called kick it in, right? That's what you always yell the last quarter mile or hundred yards, like, Hey, kick it in. Right. And it kind of has this, uh, this concept that like, Hey, Speed it up. Hey, give a, give a little bit more. And they probably are thinking like, I've been running the whole time, dad. Please shut up. But, but they let us yell it anyway and we all, we all kick it in, right? I, uh, I turned 40 a, a couple of years ago. Some people in the room are probably like, oh, he's a child. And some of you are probably like, wow, he's even older than I thought he was. I don't know where you're at on 40, but I'll just be honest. I, I turned 40, right? And had this birthday party and all my friends were there. And, and I was sitting there looking at all of them. And I had the weirdest thought where I just thought like, all right, we're halfway done here, right? It's a little morbid. It's a little weird. That's just what it's like in my mind, right? But at the age of 40, I was like, okay, I think I'm about halfway done for the average lifespan, Right? And so as I, as I studied this concept and thought on this concept this week, I thought about what I yell at all those races. And I, I thought like, man, I might just need someone to yell that for me. Like, hey, kick it in. There's a little bit more left. You've got a, an extra gear. And sometimes we slow down and sometimes we get discouraged. And sometimes we're not excited about running this race of faith that's before us. But sometimes we just need someone to yell, hey, kick it in. Because... We're running this race with the example of Jesus. And, and some of us are running this race and we're saying, I don't know how much time I've got left or I've only got half my time left, regardless of how much time you have left. We wanna kick it in. Here's another a quote I read this week by uh, Jackie Hill Perry, an author that I love. This is not to shame anyone. This is not to, to guilt anyone. We're not gonna go around and say, you've been running too slow and nothing, nothing like that. We're not here to call people out, but we're trusting that the Holy Spirit will tell us if we've been running a, a race of faith and a life of faith. She says this, you know too much to live the way you do. You will be held accountable for what you do with the information you have. God, when he died for you, he died so you can know him. He didn't die for you to play church. He died for you to know him. He hasn't given you his word as a means of entertainment. He's given you his word so you can know him. He hasn't given you a church so you can be in the crowd. He's given you a church so you can know him. 
He hasn't given you gifts in ministry so you can flex and feel good about yourself. He's given you gifts so you can know him. He wants you to know him. Some of you sit under teaching all the time and your life is still the same. You're still envious and still covetous and that's not to say that you're not in Christ. It is to say that if you're still walking in a way that is merely human, you have to steward your life with God. It's easy to get caught up in playing church and ultimately miss the intimacy that Christ died for us to experience. Some of us know too much to still live like we do. And the grace is because we know what to do, we just need to do it by faith. As I studied this passage this week and thought about this metaphor of running a race and and thinking about all this imagery, I couldn't help but think about my personal workouts every week. People have been saying to me as we built this building, they're like, you're gonna miss the why? And I'm like, I still go there all the time. I'm there like four days a week. But I don't don't run anymore. I'm a middle-aged man. So I like to get up on the elliptical machine or the arc trainer, sometimes the Jacob's ladder if I'm feeling really froggy, right? But I, I, it's still my race. It's my workout, right? And if I'm being honest, a couple of days a week, I go to the Y and I kind of have this moment where I'm like, I don't want to work out. And so I just like sit in my truck for a few minutes and I'm like, I need to check my calendar, right? And I look at the next day and tell myself I'm being responsible, but I'm really just putting off my workout. And then I, I think like, ooh, I haven't checked my email one last time before I go home. Let me do that too. And let me see if I have any not- notifications on Instagram and and ultimately, I'm, I'm just hiding from my workout, right? Because I don't want to run or whatever you call this. I don't know what, what that is, but that's what I'm, I'm hiding from, right? And, and I love that, that quote at the end where it's just like, we, we know what to do. We know what we should do. And the grace is that Jesus isn't going to shame us. He's just going to say, listen, I love you and I've called you to this life of mission. So let's kick it in. And so this morning, I, I just want to ask you this. Is Jesus first in everything? Is Jesus first in everything in your life? Or as you look at your life, are you saying, you know what? There's something in my life that's holding me back from running hard. There's something that keeps tripping me up and I I just need to get rid of that thing. I need to jettison that thing. I need to eliminate that thing so that I can run this race that God has put before me. For some of us, that's, that's ending a relationship. For some of us, God's been telling us to, to, to switch careers or switch jobs for a long time because we're setting a terrible example for our family and our job owns us. For some of us, we're harboring bitterness toward a group of people. We resent this group of people. We've never forgiven them. And Jesus is saying, listen, I'm trying to transform you. I'm trying to change you, but you won't give me this corner, this area of your life. If we want to run the race that God has set before us, sometimes running the race is really simple. This is what I have to tell myself at the Y a couple days a week. Get out of the car, Mark. Go scan in with your little tag at the Y and start working out. Yeah, it might be a little slow and awkward at the beginning, but it gets better and you start to break a sweat and you find yourself getting in that place where you're just like, all right, now I'm running. And after you run, you run some more and you run some more, and you run some more. If we wanna run the race set before us, we have to run the race with obedience and endurance. And those two things build on each other. As we take a step of obedience, we build some endurance. As we keep our eyes on Jesus, we build some endurance. As we're encouraged by the cloud of witnesses, the people that have gone before us, the people that are around us now, 
we build some endurance and we're able to run and we're able to withstand attacks and we're able to live a life of faith. So what do you need to eliminate from your life today? What, what sin do you need to confess or, or jettison or, or get out of your life? What relationship with, with a person or with stuff or with a group of people do you need to eliminate so that you can run the race set before you? Remember, this race isn't against anyone else. You're not competing against the people in your family. You're not competing against the people next to you. You're simply responding to the goodness of Jesus. You're simply responding to the example of Jesus. And you're saying, let me run after you. Let me be more like you than I was yesterday. I wanna pray here and and as we continue to worship, I want you to think about what do I need to change? What do I need to confess? What do I need to eliminate to live a life of obedience? God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the ways you love us. Thank you for the example of Jesus who came and gave his life on the cross. God, we want to run after you. We want to know you. We want to experience you and we want to be obedient to you. So Lord, help us to address things that are in the way, things that have distracted us, things that have slowed us down, things that have tripped us up, things that have become idols and taken our attention away from you. Lord, we want to live a responsive, worshipful life of faith. And to do that, we need to keep our eyes on you, look at your example, be obedient and endure. God, help us to do that. Help us to not feel shame. Help us to not feel guilt. Help us to just respond with who we are and where we are. God, we want to hold our lives and our our platforms, our talents with an open hand and say, Jesus, this is yours. Use me. Help me to run after you. Help me to be changed. Help me to look more like you. God, thank you for a chance to worship today. Thank you for a chance to be together as a family and as a group of people. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We hope wherever you are, this message encourages you to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com.